everyone, and welcome to a brand new edition of the Fans of Power podcast. If you can picture like the big new burst that came on the E-Man card or, or card packaging, imagine that what we're saying that it is. Of course, we don't have that kind of gravity flash at the screen. That would be kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> that would be. Yes, it would be. Uh, so that's what I always envision when I say a brand new episode. It's like that big burst of what the word new popping up. But I'm Tyler T. Rex Baker, and uh, the. Uh, I hate, I hate when I try to come up with something clever. I'm Joe Nobody Amado. I, I don't have a nickname. Nicknames no. don't work for me. You know, I'm I, almost... I, the guy the guy posts, you know, hey, everybody, what kind of brand of, like, Kroger water do you prefer? And he gets, like, thousands of comments. You know, Joe Nobody here. It's like, the, this guy can post about store brand bottled water here, and the guy's going to get thousands of comments here, you know? <laughs> oh, shoot. No, it's hey. weird. It's bizarre. I don't know. But I think but nicknames don't work. You're right. Water. I here, we're here to uh, keep this property alive here every single week. Like, you know, always trying to remind everybody since there is nothing going on with E Man, pretty much for the most part, our job is to keep this alive and well in people's minds and their hearts, aside from, you know, people who are still collecting, but just keeping that, that, that major interest and in not just buying toys. You know, we want you to always do that, but we always want to entice people to seek out so much more mythology and 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 media of, of he-man so for well this you're right we, we may be somebody brand new watching this very episode right now so just to give a mission statement that is that is our goal is to keep people's interest alive like not just for the hour and 15 minutes you spend with us but when you wake up tomorrow you you uh thinking about buying you know a men on cards squeeze figure like uh like jeremiah you know he knows i'm t- he knows who i'm talking to um would he get a vintage looking, one? Did, did he get a vintage? A vintage uh, squeeze, I'm talking about a vintage squeeze or a, a a vintage Cobra Con with a decent card. He knows what I'm talking about when I say that too. So right. uh, just not just with toys, but with the cartoons, getting the entire collection of all the canons and the book, and we're going to get into a little bit of that today as well. But uh, man, oh, I'm yeah. not too damn much. So no, you're right. There's plenty. I mean, there's plenty of stuff. But no, speaking of toys and stuff, the one thing I did want to mention. Is they're popping up everywhere. I've been seeing everybody posting pictures of those mega constructs, He-Man and Skeletor, those itty bitty little mini figures. Like, you know, I don't know if you get them in the Lego section, but for a super small figure, I think they look like they have, you know, some pretty good posability. I myself haven't found them, but I mean, they're super reasonable. I think they're $4.90 or something at the stores. So heck for two little small posable figures. I just been seeing everybody popping up pictures, you know, all over Facebook of those things. I don't yeah, know if you've seen this too, but I, judging by the picture, I, I didn't know they were that small. Yeah, yeah, they're real small. I think, God, I'm trying to think of who it was. Somebody posted a picture of them next to, oh, I think it was Tom Ace. Tom Ace uh, showed up a picture, and I think they were by the little mini figures that Maddie released. You know, those kind of small He-Man skeletal yeah. figures, scarecrow. And they were smaller than that, I think. I think that's how the perspective was. So they're small, but they're posable. They're cool. And heck, like I said, more masters at you know the stores, the better. I mean, just keep sparking it to pop it and back into the public eye. That's always a positive thing for me. As long as it's not just kind of lazy product placement, you know. I I, I kind of feel like doing stuff that I mean, I'm past that point, you know, where I'm like, I'm not going to buy anything just because you slap the He-Man logo on it because it, if it just comes off as just junk. You know, something well, these look good. They look like good quality. I mean, they do like just wasting, you know, using this property. So, but th- those look pretty cool. When I, I looked at them a little bit more closely, I think it was yesterday, someone had posted them on mm-hmm. one of the feeds. 
And I'm like, you know what? That actually looks pretty cool, and they are quite poseable. So, and I, I didn't, right. I and I and I really don't keep up with a lot of this extra stuff. I mean, that that comes out because I, I just don't normally seek it out as much. But I didn't know that they would be available in retail stores like that. So now that I know that. I'll, I'll check out the Lego sections and some of the local department stores. Yeah, me too. Cause I mean, I had no clue. I mean, it was just, you know, San Diego comic-con that just came, you know, just recently and they showed them there. So I figured, Oh, these things are going to be a ways away because they do so many different properties for these little things. And bam, they're popping up now. I, was like, well, I, I, I would hope, you know, if they're going to do this, that we have to have a, you know, a, a, like a variety of Lego or Lego like kits, you know, like a, a a battle ram, you know, what are they, mega blocks? Is that what they're called? I think they're called mega constructs. Like I said, I don't have any of these. But... Like Wind Raider or Battle Ram or Roton. That would and, be nice. And of course, the be all would be like play sets and stuff like that, like a Fright Zone. And, <laughs> you know, it get, the only way you get Grizzlorn Modular is if you buy the mega constructs Fright Zone play set. It comes exclusively with Modular and Grizzlorn, you know. That and I'm sure they'll do something like that. It seems like those like little mini figures on those small type things. You always see exclusive figures for certain things. So, hey, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, with the popularity, if they sell well, I'm sure that, more can that come in the future. probably would consider, you know, purchasing a kit and putting it together. Because most of the stuff I'm just like, eh. But uh, that that has my interest, like a Lego type uh, He-Man. Because the, the, all the stuff they've done with Turtles and Ghostbusters looks cool, but it costs so much money to get those Lego sets. I mean, it just, at least for me, I feel like, man, I, I, you know, 50, 80, a hundred dollars for some of those really awesome Lego sets. And I'd love to have a Ghostbusters and Turtles one, but you know, I just, yeah, everything can become pricey. Yeah. You're right. But Hey, like I said, it's only hoping that more things have come. So yeah. that's that in the toy aisle. I wanted to say in the live chat room, I want to say hi to Motu Maniac 316. He said, I'd pay a dollar. He says, that's it. And I think he was saying, that rep- I wonder if that's what he means. He'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, I think. I was like, okay, was he doing a little bit of a Robocop reference and then adding a twist? Yeah, hey, I know I'm not as dumb as I look, even though you can't see how dumb I am or look, but well, whatever. So, yeah, like I said, that's why I hide the mask. But, well, besides that, I also wanted to give a big happy birthday shout out. I think where he's at in the world, it might be his birthday right now. And that's a big Masters of the Universe fan, James Etock. It's his birthday on the 21st. So I, I guess I guess in their time zone, it might be... Might be midnight, maybe. I don't know if there's a three-hour difference. We're doing this nine. I don't know if it'd be 12 o'clock where he lives. But if it is, hey, if not, we did it early. So a big happy birthday to him. Yes, uh, definitely want to uh, wish him a very, very happy birthday. And and uh, I feel like this, this is better to do it on this platform than just what I want to thank James for that that incredible episode review website he did so many years ago with uh, Zadok Angel. I learned, I I picked up on so many things and saw things for the first time due to that website and and I want to thank James for for putting in all those efforts years ago and uh, I hope your birthday is as wonderful as that website you put together back then and that was that was the website where I saw the Secret of the Sword trailer for the very first time. Oh no, kidding! Uh, yeah, his uh, his episode reviews for like Dragons Get there were certain things that he pointed out that I had never noticed before. <laughs> always watch the dragon's gift with some of those moments and things that he pointed out in that episode. So I know I don't, I, I never, um, I think maybe I told it to him a message, but you kind of feel like it doesn't, it's, it's not conveyed as, as good uh, as it would be through, uh, through actually speaking. So if uh, James gets a hold of this, I, I thank you for that. And uh, I hope you get, you uh, know what I'm talking about when I say that, but uh, happy, happy birthday to you, Buster Rhymes. 
There you go. No doubt. I mean, I mean, the things that he's brought, like I said, and, you know, putting together those amazing, you know, serial geek magazines that he did with a lot of cool information, which I'm going to kind of transition to something like that right here on a Facebook group called the Ancient Library of Grayskull. James's partner in crime who's doing the Return of Faker cartoon. Now I'm going to I'm going to say your name, buddy. I'm going to say it twice. I'm probably going to butcher it. And this is why I'm saying it, because I want you to correct me. And I want you to tell me how bad I said your name. But after saying that, I'm going to mention a post he did. And that's Dusan or Dusan Mitrovich. Dusan. And he's saying Dusan. I'll say Dusan or Dusan. I'm or Dusan because I've watched James's videos multiple times where he references thanks to Dusan's uh, uh, remastering skills. So okay. I'm saying his name correctly. I've watched those videos numerous times. So All right. I, I've never caught those. I missed him. I'll be honest, so I didn't catch it. But if that's his name, cool. I still want him to say how badly I said it. But, hey, hopefully his last name is Mitrovich. I'm hoping that's your last name. So, Mr. D, Mr. DM right there. That's my quick way of getting around. I'll do his initials. He made a post in there. And it was showing about Brave Star. And this is something that was even, it was in issue eight that I think they showed this. And there's more information of Serial Geek, which I think if you go to serialgeek.com and that backslash issue eight, you can find this issue and some of the past issues to order of Serial Geek. But in the early production stages of Brave Star, there was an idea to have it as a spinoff of Masters of the Universe. And they showed this like sheet that actually, you know, that they did back then. And this is how it's typed up. It has He-Man and then that kind of backslash thing, Brave Star relationship, and it's underlined. And it says, Brave Star offers a unique opportunity to use He-Man in situations and environments completely different from any that have been done before. He-Man could actually be presented in the origin story as the motivating force that caused the young Brave Star to become a lawman. The character of He-Man would appear in the beginning of this origin story, saving Brave Star's life and giving him or giving his inspiration. Giving him inspiration, He-Man would be pre presented as the mysterious stranger who gives Brave Star his start. Whereupon He-Man would disappear, existing only as a fantastic memory for Brave Star until the end of the story, where He-Man and Brave Star will re-meet. This time, it is Brave Star who saves He-Man. The boy who has grown into, you know, the boy who has grown into the man. As a result, the two will respect each other as equals from separate universes. And a method for crossovers, such as the usual dimensional door, can be established. Thus, Bravestar pr presents itself as a new field of endeavor for all of us. A show which will stand alone on its own merits and, additionally, give opportunities for introducing new characters in the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe line. I never knew this. Now, I didn't have that issue of Serial Geek, and I didn't, I'll be honest, I never checked everything online. I don't know how old or how long it's been around. Like I told you, I was kind of new to the internet, so I didn't know when this information was presented, but when did you first learn about that? Because that would have been cool to see that. that was, I heard about that a while back, and it's also referenced in the Christmas special that, that Man at Arms says they need a carrium water crystal. And of course, everyone who loves Brave Star, which I'm one of those people, Carrium is the equivalent of gold in the Brave Star mythology. So you kind of feel like that's something that they may have been, you know, kind of laying down a small seed of groundwork of bridging the two series. Um, and boy, I, that's I, that. Now that's a story that needs to be told. Is 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 these two series crossing over? I mean, I, I, I just feel like there's so much, so much that could be done with that. With 
you know, the, the two worlds crossing over, you know, Brave Star visiting Antonia, He-Man going to New Texas and, you know, beating the hell out of Sandstorm and Texex and Thunderstick and, you know, and Brave Star, you know, teaming up with Rio Blast to, to shoot up a Salon doing Clawful, you know, or something like that. And that would have been perfect since we never got Rio Blast in the cartoon. So if he would have popped up, that would have been perfect. And what and was Brave? Uh, to see 30-30 and Battle Cat teaming up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be different. God, man. Oh, that'd be so cool. I love 30-32, man. I, I just, I mean, they're pretty much the entire cast of Brave Star. I mean, I, I just think they're all the heroes and villains are great. It's just a, boy, I love Brave Star. And that was 87, 88 when that was out? Was that about 1987, 88 when that cartoon came out? Yeah, 87, 88, yeah. Yeah, see, and it would have been great because obviously, like I said, we had no more He-Man at that time, so it would have been great. We would have still had some kind of extension of that to somewhat keep it alive, and it would have been great, I mean, great, like you said, to see them crossing over a meeting and seeing He-Man needing Brave Star's help and, you know, different situations, you know, when he would pop up with something like what they were intending. I just think that'd be great. I even love how Brave Star started because with, you know, how the filmation, they would have the horses, and the whip. And whip noise, yeah, so yeah, cool. I like, and I like it even just like when He-Man, He-Man, or when they would transition from this part to this part where it says He-Man, they'd say, Brave Star, you know, like Brave Star, Brave Star. It did the same thing with that kind of gimmick. Oh, man. Transition, you know, that would that would go from scene to scene. And uh, all, all the voice talent, Alan Oppenheimer, was used on there as Stampede and... Um, even sound effects, didn't they even have, like, the sound effects from, like, things we were used to from Masters of the Universe? You know, you could feel the connection. Well, that. Yeah, I think, like, when 3030 would transform into his two-legged form, I think it would use a bit of an explosion sound effect that you'd hear in a lot of He-Man episodes. Um, I mean, I, I would love it if we did, like, you know, this is just how you read. That would be a comic I'd want. I'd throw about doing a commentary for a Brave Star episode or two and just tie it in with He-Man, just for the hell of it. It'd be fun, but, you know, I mean, speaking of, like, you know, how they did that, you know, as some people thought of <clears throat> atrocious He-Man Thundercats crossover comic, I think it'd be even cooler. Like, hell, since we never got them in the cartoon together, that would be a pretty cool crossover of a comic, if done yeah, correctly. Uh, some schmuck put in charge by Mattel to, you know, here, do this, you know, it's, you know, it, it's fun to think about, when, but unless these people are going to take it seriously, He-Man Thundercats can still be done, as we said time and time again. Still has not been done because that was, I don't know what you call it, but it was a, uh, lack of a better phrase, a S-H-I-T stain. I'm not going to say the full word. I'll just say if you can spell, if you know what I'm talking about, then I don't need to say it. But that's right. what that was. And it still can be told properly. Brave Star and He-Man is another story that needs to be told because it's it's like peanut butter and jelly. You know, He-Man and Brave Star's universes go together just perfectly well. Not just because of the formation connection, but you've got... Sword and sorcery meets uh, technology, and you've got the Wild West meets technology. It just it just seems like the you know the technology crossing over into these uh, uh, times of of you know our ancient times where technology clearly would never exist, like in our our you know world history. It just it just it's like Thundercats, and, and as much as you you people say, no, I don't want my Thundercats with my He-Man here. It just feels like there, there's a lot of similarities, but differences, but enough to where you feel like you can really put together a good story across in these. Areas. Well, this, I mean, no doubt, like I said, the reason this should work is obviously just seeing what was in early notes and, you know, that we just, that I just read. And I'm sure James even has more information. I mean, hell, if there's anybody would that be the person to go to, it'd be James Etoff and maybe have him in a collaboration with somebody. 
try to write out a cool story. Give us in comic book form what we never got in cartoon form. We could finally, after all these years, have what they maybe were thinking about intending to do. It would be great to see that. That, like you said, to see 3030 and Battle Cat side by side, Brave Star and He Man. It would just be fantastic to have these two worlds collide finally, you know, in some media format. And I and I just feel like there's so much similar, like with Stampede and, and Horde Prime, you know, these two massive supernatural beings that both Tex Hex and Horde answer to. Don, typically you expect Tex Hex and Skeletor to cross over, which yeah, but I just feel like Stampede was such a similar vibe to uh, Horde Prime, you know, this this massive, you know, decrepit creature, you know, that gave Tex Hex his power and is like the ultimate threat to New Texas but puts tex Hex in charge as like his sole minion along with his goons of uh, Sandstorm. Sandstorm is always my favorite of the goons. Yeah, well, but, hey, and if there's people that want to watch something, I know that usually, if, you know, if you don't have the DVD, and I know when you go to YouTube, YouTube. Most, what's that? Are you talking about Brave Star? Yeah, I was going to say, they can go to YouTube to catch, you know, episodes, and they can at least get, you know, familiar with maybe what they don't remember or if they've never seen it before. But, yeah, definitely well, a great problem. And actually, and, and I've watched, I mean, I've got the entire series here. The majority of the episodes are, are pretty damn good. Like the writing is good, the dialogue is good, the stories are good, the voice acting is good. I mean, you just, you just, you just—it's a great package. Everything, you know. And it, it, I mean, there's, there's there's some really really good. Stuff. And definitely started by watching the the Brave Star movie. Okay. You know, it yeah, is no, a definitely. film. Oh, no doubt. I mean, no doubt that is something they should do. And I was going to say, just want to acknowledge in the chat room, we have Daniel Daniel Mayner. He said it would be an interesting crossover. That was his comment. Of course, Captain Chronic, after you spelled S-H-I-T, he spelled it right back. And he said, didn't like the Thundercats He-Man mix, at least the comic anyway. Yes. Yeah. Hey, but like I said, this is a good chat room because Motomaniac said, yeah, that Thundercats crossover comic was a bag of hot garbage. So there's not many fans of that. Uh, It makes me feel all warm and excited when I hear other people come out and say it sucked. Well, hey, but Daniel did say... He said, I'm in the minority. He said, I like the crossover. Hey, you know, you can like it. Well, if you they, like it, great. You know, I'm, that is great. I'm not going to knock, knock people for it. I'm just no, saying no. I personally thought it sucked, just like with anything else. If you liked it, more, as I've said before, other podcasts, more power to you. Oh, yeah. I always say that. But yeah. I felt like everybody who likes Team and Thundercats deserves something better than what we got. You know, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, like I said, anybody that liked it, I mean, hell, that's great. We're glad you liked it. We're not saying hate it. You know, like, hey, if you don't, if you don't hate it like we do, you know, you can't, you know, listen no, to our shit. No, like no. that on, on the internet, or, you know, a bunch of douchebags, you need to be, you know, put a sock in the mouth, duct tape over the mouth, and thrown in a trunk. Yeah, I respect all well, opinions. Like I said, we can't all agree. It would be boring. Like I said, it's a boring world if everybody agreed. There'd be no debates. No great conversations. It would just be the quickest post. I really liked that He-Man crossover with uh, Thundercats. And somebody says, I liked it too. There, that's the end of that. So it's good when you have somebody say, I don't like it, then you say, why? And then they can say, why did you like it? And as long as you just respect each other without yeah, cursing each other out. Like when I, I made a post about the He-Man movie, like with an old, excuse me, newspaper clipping. I had two people go out of their way. I'd say of all, all the recognition that post got, two people made a point to say, yeah, I really just didn't like it, you know. Which one of them with Keith was Keith Hosgood. I'm not giving you crap about that, Keith, but I was just like, you know, it just, it just. And but then there was some other guy who just came out of the blue and just said uh, it completely was just like trying to be like Star Wars. And I just like, I bet it sucked because Battle Cat and Orca wasn't in it too, right? You know, <laughs> That's great. it's like, oh, 
God. You know, they just, they, it's for every few people that seem to finally come out and say, you know what, it wasn't as bad as I thought or bad as I remembered. Two more, three more, five more pop up and say, Ribbon of a Starboard, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, you'll have others. You always have somebody else say something, but. Well, yeah. like I said, that's that's kind of the end of that. Just wanted to give a shout out, like I said, about that early idea of Brave Star. It sounds great. It would be cool if it can come to fruition in some kind of format. You never know; things can happen. So, but and, that- uh, before we go, on, I'm going to give a shout out to Daniel Karunin, our uh, uh, buddy from Sweden, I believe it was, who okay. uh, sent me a, a message privately and uh, made a point to say he enjoyed my Commando poster. So. I've got Predator directly behind me here is uh, a, a wink to him and a plus to honor Sonny Landon who played Billy in the film who just passed away. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. That so is a shame. That's, that's what this is here. So for all uh, movie fans and Predator fans, that, that's why that poster is. Normally, it's it gets top billing up here. It's in my prime spot in my, in my uh, massive man cave that I have here. But I have it down here so fans can see it that uh, that's what it's there for. So for you, Daniel, and for Billy... We thank you. So uh, that's my yeah. shout out this week. No doubt. I'm sure next week we'll have the Terminator poster on the other side uh, actually, rotated. Another idea I've already, well, actually, Terminator's right here. I that's what I said. You'll have that rotated over this side and something else switched over. I'm, I'm sure we'll have it. I, I actually was going to put one of my many Van Damme posters. So I'll probably do that next week. I got I got Van Damme posters. I got Stallone. I got, you know, I got, uh, I mean, I got a wide, I mean, this poster is, I've got Friday the 13th Part 8 signed by Kane Hodder right over here on the you other side. You some. Wait, wait, now why would you put that on the Why would you never tell me? I might save that for the Halloween season, like when we do uh, House Chicago. Why would you never tell me about that? I did some do about that before the podcast ever got going. I don't ever remember that. That's a bunch of, of crap, and you didn't have it. anything we ever talk about. But huh? you, you say something that you tell me about stuff. Well, I have a bad, bad memory. It comes with old age. But, I don't know what you know, I'm talking about. I got the autograph for free. He came over to Virginia Tech and just did a lecture about film. And, I mean, eight sure. people stayed behind to get his autograph. And he took pictures. And I got to talk to him about how Freddy versus Jason sucked. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know. Yeah, he was. He was... You like the film. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I, I do. I love Freddy versus Jason. But, yeah, I do remember how much Kane hates that. I've, I've seen that. He's publicly definitely talked about that. It is a shame we didn't get him as jason but yeah okay uh, yeah. well you'll see that uh, maybe soon enough or or uh who knows who knows what but i i, I like to tinker around and, and show off various movie parts i got conan the barbarian right here i got aliens and predator 2 over there i got ghostbusters over there so the 80s is alive and well in tyler's room there ain't no doubt yeah so. just one this is just you know one wall i mean i've got so oh, i'm sure there. oh yeah well i'm gonna say something in the chat room again I think it was uh, it was Daniel Maynard. What he did mention was he said he liked the art in the Thundercats He-Man crossover comic, which that's the only thing usually I said, too. And speaking of that, I'm going to transition to something. Let's talk about artists. Let's talk about some of the artists in the 80s that we know, but I guess never got their recognition. For whatever, maybe they, you know, they didn't sign their posters, their paintings, whatever they did, so they became unknown. But by some research, you could usually find out. But there's a lot of artists that get uncredited, and they're known as uncredited artists, unknown artists. And I've talked about one of them. I always bring his name up. You know I like to. Maybe it's because he's Italian, and I figure, hey, I got to bring this guy up first. yeah, when, when Joe says his name, you'll you'll get why he likes to say it because it, it, I guess it's just it sounds fun to say this guy's name because I told him this the other day. He's like, you like saying his name, don't you? That's yeah, that's 
Gino Diacchili. And this is like just, yeah, this is one of his pieces. Now, I know, I'll tell you what, one of my favorites of his is The Trap. I'll get to talking about that in a second with the cover. But this one, I just, I don't know. I like, and I'm sorry we're getting the reflection of my thing, but I like seeing Merman on there. I like seeing Beastman on there. I like seeing this goofy little creature cowering in the corner. You know, this little weird little, de- you know, monster demon, but... It, he probably got his cheekbone busted by man-at-arms. Yeah, that's what I said. These were just, like I said, they're always so intense looking. It's in... I know definitely the track was not one of the better written stories. I You know, that was... Bottom of the barrel, but the cover... Yeah, but that cover with him shoving that door into Skeletor. It, I mean, isn't that the one that has him shoving the door into Skeletor? It just... Yeah. He looks... He-Man looks so intense and fierce, and, and it's a shame a guy like this didn't get more credit, but can you think of... I mean... One of your favorite pieces of his, or something that you can remember? That that was the first golden book I ever got. Was was the sort of Skeletor? I think at uh, my local food line, or maybe it was at Kmart. Um, but that was that was the first. I still have it to this day, and um, I mean that 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 cover. Um, it it's just you know, say <laughs> this stuff leaves an impression on you, and it's almost kind of hard to describe. You know, when you say it leaves an impression on you, but to me that that's another. Just like last week when we talked about slave slavery, we talked about tone. You know, someone who's who's someone who today who thinks He Man is a joke because of really, you know, uh, I mean, gosh, I do, do my best not to cuss, but <laughs> you know, the, these these really offensive uh, videos that just make fun of He Man, but you know, by you know, it just making him look like a joke in various manners, and yeah. probably current. Um, uh, People are uh, more youngsters, so to speak, who did not grow up in the 80s, who maybe ba- barely know who he even is. They see him as like this joke on YouTube and stuff like that. You plop that book or one of these various books or, or pictures that we talk about is like, no, this is He Man. Yeah, exactly. And I don't that, like You're right. He's turned into a joke. About any of the Golden Book covers, but that one in particular, of all the covers, and I mean, there's a bunch of them I absolutely love because Earl Norm did the, the, the vast majority of them. Correct, correct. So, but that one in the trap. Yeah, I don't know if I can get um a good picture because this is the back, but on the back you can kind of see. Ah, damn, here, hold on a second. I'll, I'll fix that uh, reflection. I guess I won't fix the reflection. Well, anyways. You're not going to fix that. You're not going to fix anything. Well, see, you could see, I think, He-Man, and the intensity of his face as he's shoving that door right through Skeletor. Yeah, so. Well, just do a quick Google search for He-Man Golden Book, The Trap, and the cover should pop right up. The interior yeah. or some of the ugliest I've ever seen, but that, that cover <laughs> alone, it's worth getting uh, off eBay and putting it in a frame. You know, it's, it's, it has that, you know, like some, like uh, so many artists of, of, who drew He-Man definitely seem like to be inspired by, you know, Frank Rosetta uh, and, and Conan in general, because they all had such a Conan feel to them. Yeah, know? these are great. Like I said, this is, you know, we've been seeing so many collection books. I mean, if there's of art and pieces and covers, and you know how you've seen there's been portfolios of the great work of Rudy Obrero and um, Earl Norum. I, like I said, Gino, his stuff and many other artists, there's still so many pieces. And I don't know if there's any clean pieces of this, meaning ones that don't have the masters and the you know all the other text on it. If there's cleaner ones, that would be great too to get nice crisp ones of this. These are things that I'd like to see in a collection book, in a calendar. I mean, there's plenty along with... Now I'm gonna this 
These next two I'm going to show, I'm only going to show two of them. And I'm not yeah, showing... Before you move on to that, I, I, I just thought of a memory from you popping that up. I remember when I was in high school and I was so determined to like try and put out like a, an ad that I, I wanted to buy your He-Man stuff. My dad took that cover over to, I think, Office Max and had it printed out, like multiple copies for me to go put up at various places around town. Just like say, hey, look, do you have any He-Man toys you don't want? I mean, call this number. I will buy you them. You did that? You did that? That's pretty cool. Well, That's I fun. ended up not using those, but I did place an ad in the, in the Trading Post, which is a paper that our area that covers a large part, and you call them and you put in an ad of what you want. And I did it, and maybe two or three weeks later, uh, this this old lady called said her grandson had a bunch of He-Man stuff, and I got on the phone with him, and I met up with him on a Saturday morning, and he was my age. I was we were both still in high school, and I bought. And you beat his ass and took all his old, stuff. And you, you just jumped him, right? I said you just probably just no, jumped no, no, and beat his no, ass. I, I, I'm too tender hearted to do such a thing, but I, <laughs> I I did buy all his stuff. Of course, at the time I only had like twenty bucks. Of course, I'm in high school. Twenty bucks to me was like the equivalent of fifty bucks. <laughs> And there was so much stuff, and I went back and asked my dad for twenty more dollars, and he gave it to me right there on the spot. And I got a He-Man tent, a complete Fright Zone, uh, my very first version of Sorot. I got a, a Roadblock, the second version of Roadblock from GI Joe, and a few other things for like forty bucks from that guy from putting in an ad in the in the Trading Post. That's pretty cool. That but is I, I cool. Just, I feel kind of like embarrassed that if I put out the, the this picture of the Golden Book. That no, it would just get ignored because, I, like I said, in my area, I just I felt I could not have felt more alone with my passion for collecting He-Man and, and GI Joe, Thundercats, and Turtles, in, in in the '90s because I just didn't know anybody that did it. So to put out something publicly at the local grocery store or all of them, say, "Hey, this guy wants to buy your He-Man toys." I figured, what a loser this guy is! I'm going to call him and prank call him or something. I just <laughs> I was so nervous about making it known that i did that so i think that was the biggest reason i just felt like nobody would respond that i think that was you know well, definitely enough, nobody but, oh and it's like you don't have to look far you know to to find he-man you know? right no doubt i'm sure though around my area if i post that i'd get absolutely nothing but that's cool you got your stuff and you got some kind of like like you said a, a response and it led to good things but i'm gonna okay there's another artist and this artist he's done a lot of the coloring book covers he's done the puzzle art you know the drawing for the puzzles that don't not only were for the puzzles but also you know just the box on it so you can see it clean without the lines but i'm gonna show two particular ones and i'm not going to show the puzzle i'm going to show the back and i'm going to try to hold them together because i hate to hold these up and all the puzzles fall so i have them back to fa or face to face the backs will be on them i remember showing these in james etock said what are those and where did you where did they come from this was like a few years back the reason he said that is not many people really, I guess, looked on the back of these puzzles. And, I, and well, it's these giant ones. And on the back, they have really cool art. On the front of these puzzles, it's completely different pieces. These are different. These are exclusive for the back of it. So you see it's nice and smooth. And it was just this great depiction that R.L. Allen did of He-Man and Tila. I mean, it's just, like I said, his art is just, it's, it's beautiful. I love this painted style art. And on the other one, some people want to say it's like a He-Man's version of Captain Morgan, but um, you know, you just have He-Man standing there, hand on his hip. But I remember when James seen it, he's like, "What in God's name is that?" And I explained to him, and I tried to take the best pictures that I could because these are so big, I can't fit them, you know, obviously in the scanner. I was gonna try to quickly open without it. Uh, never mind, I ain't gonna do that. Wait, let me. Uh, 
okay, if I'm careful, I'm gonna do this at an angle. This piece has been done a lot where Beastman and Skeletor are always staring at Tila with Charger. But in this piece, you have He-Man also staring at Tila. You know, he's doing his perverted stalking. But a very nice, beautiful piece. This is a puzzle, the puzzle front. So I did that at an angle so it wouldn't fall. And just another one is just, oh, that almost slid right out there. It's He-Man on the front of, like, you know, the part of Battle Ram, Castle Grayskull. But these are pieces. Like you said, if you want more art and books, God, I want these clean. I want them in a book. I want them on shirts. I want them anywhere you can put them. Just clean pieces like this of, again, artists that gave us amazing stuff, but unfortunately don't get credit because sometimes you just it's hard to get their names. I remember when I, I was introduced to the surprise attack and the uh, sword in the uh, uh, sword in the mountain. I think is what it's called, um, or stone stone or sword in the stone. Kind of it's kind of like a sword in the stone kind of thing. But I think it's stone or sword in the mountain. But I, I, my my best friend at childhood had, had told me he picked up these two puzzles. I think he had. I forgot where he got them, or he, maybe he had them, and he showed them to me. And, and it was the surprise attack. And I'd never seen those before. Mm-hmm. And it just blew my mind to see this this beautiful painted artwork of He-Man pulling the power sword out of this ma- out of this massive rock with Merman. Yes, trying I, to get yeah. it. Trap Jaws shooting at Stratos, and Stratos is firing a beam from his hand at Skeletor to knock his sword out, and then the surprise attack one, which is probably arguably you know the best one of that bunch, just because it just looks so cool of them trying to sneak out of. Castle Grayskull or Snake Mountain, and they run into Skeletor, Evelyn, and Beastman. You know, it's on the steps. Is that where they're on, like that kind of spiral stairway or something? Spiral staircase, and the the Evil Wars come down, and they catch him and Manny Face and Tila trying to get. It's just it just looks so yeah. beautiful and stunning. Yeah. Oh boy, that I mean that was. I mean, you got that really massive poster that's got the entire roster of the eighty two and eighty three. That I have framed. That's one of my favorites. Yes, and that was an awesome one. And then and then. Uh, the other one too of of uh, He Man and uh, Skeletor on Panther Battlecat fighting, Triclops mm-hmm. is is firing the laser cannon. You got Ram Man trying to headbutt into the castle. You got Screech and Zoar flying around. He did plenty. That's what I mean. He did plenty. Oh, and then boy, when you such beautiful posters, I mean uh, puzzles. I mean they just uh, stuff like that. That's what what the phrase tells a story means. When you look at that kind of artwork and you're like, dear God, man. I mean this is it's just. These were puzzles for kids, and they're these beautiful paintings. And what's cool about them is these, even though they have lines, you know, like in some of these puzzles, those can easily be taken out in case there's not a fresh piece. But with some of those other puzzles that came in boxes that you're talking about, remember, they had the beautiful piece of art right there on the box. So that can easily be just, yeah, you can easily get a nice, perfect print of that. And you, like I said, combine that with all the coloring book covers that he did as well. It's just you're loaded with a lot from R.L. Allen. That's what I mean. There, you can get tons of things to make, whether it's another book, if Dark Horse ever decided, or if they wanted to just try something different, where they just wanted to sell something in a different format. Maybe Super 7 could come up with something. But that's what I mean. There's still more art that's out there that people want, they need to see. This next one, I want to show you. This one is the one that freaked me out. Now, of course, this coloring, I wouldn't say he did the coloring. He did all the line work and... I think that it was just somebody random just filled in the coloring. I always speak of Floro Deary. And everybody, as you know, Transformer fans know Floro Deary for the work he's done, where he's drawn stuff, Transformers. But when I brought up that Floro Deary did Masters of the Universe, 
people are like, wait, what? I never knew that. I never heard of that. And I said, it all comes from this. This is one of the box sets of the paint with, you know, the fine tip marker, you know, that you, yeah, you can just color them in like that. But this isn't one of the sticker books that you color. This isn't a color with water, paint with water. This is a box set. So you can see the thickness at the side. And as a kid, when I get all these things, I mean, I just, as you know, I pack read it. Like some people in the chat room are saying, they're like, hey, I've seen your video. And hey, I really appreciate that you checked out my video online of my collection. But as a kid, I, I just pack read the stuff and I never wanted to color them. I didn't want to ruin nothing. I mean, hell, I still have the original markers <laughs> that came with this set. Never used the mark. Yeah, I'm going to take them out just to quickly show that on this template here. I'm sorry about that. On this template it shows all the pieces that you get in the box set and they're colored here you know just for reference you know these are the only clean ones you have of this but when you actually get them they come they come in big pieces they come in like a, a two-page spread and it's you know obviously black and white but it just shows all his line work. I mean, he did so many beautiful pieces. Like I said, I think there might be a total of, yeah, 10 that are in this. One got really big in this, but I never, I never painted these. I mean, colored them in. But just to see that this piece, the colored piece, could be scanned for reference. But to know Floral Deary did Master's work, that's, I love discovering this stuff. I love, I mean, when anybody, you know, discovers something and shares something different, it gets you excited. Because you do remember all the fantastic art, and you remember the usual people. You always remember, you know Earl Norm, William George, Rudy Obrero, Alcala. We know them, and we love them. No doubt we love them. But then there's the, art, the other artists we talked about. You don't know the names, you know their art. You know their pieces. But then some pop out of the blue. And I, when I heard, like I said, it was only one of these pieces had a signature. So I contacted him. I was like, I got to find out. Is this really Floral Deary? Is this, you know, because it said F. Deary. I think that's what it was. It was F. Deary. And he usually signs his, his pictures Floral Deary. So when I contacted him, and sure enough, he got back with me, he said some of his earlier pieces, he would just put F. So this, he said it was his. And I was even, you know, talking with him. I was like, hey, I said, we'd love to see you do some more work. He said it's something he might think about. You know, of course, I doubt that would be anything you know, through Mattel directly, it'd be great if he could. But what I mean is, I'd love to see him just draw something new for Masters. I mean, he was there in the past. It'd be cool in the present. Just see him do something now, again. Because what he did for these pieces was pretty epic. You need to bug him a little bit more there. Or was he just kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever, kid. Go away, you bother me. <laughs> no, no, I do. Like I said, I want to see him do more. You know... You know, when we talk about mini comics, you know, like if they would bring them back, whether it's for, you know, the classic figures, because we had those, you know, the mock-up covers for the ultimate figures that Axel drew, which are fantastic. But what if we could get an actual comic or mini comic with like, let's say, the vintage five and a half inch figures and bring back some of the artists that still, you know, are around and used to work on it. As we referenced and said so many times, what if they did give us a Geldor figure in vintage form and Geldor's creator, Larry Houston, was to draw the cover and inside of all that mini comic of Geldor's return, bursting out of that tree of life that he was trapped in. I mean, why can't we have that? You know, why can't fans, you know, like I said, let their voices be heard and say, Super 7, please get some of these artists from the past. They're still around. Let them do stuff again, just like we remembered. 
I know that it, it feels like it's just a, you know, why wouldn't you reach out to them? Why, why not do some fun little things for the fans, little pack-in stuff like that, and get some of these original artists to join Axel, uh, you know, uh, in, in the ranks, you know, to, um, to do a lot of these throwback things. And damn it, that's a story that needs to be told. You know, the Geldor emerging from the tree of life. Yes. You know, slide through it with his axe or like a massive lightning bolt blowing it in half and he just comes burst, I mean, crawling out of it. I mean, it just, and getting to see him duke it out with his axe against He-Man's battle sword or axe to axe, you know, like a couple of Vikings. And finally him. using it, just not on the, like on the cover in the old one, but finally engaging with an yeah, axe. Just, I mean, that's a, that's a story that needs to be told. And, um, I, and I think people, you know, we need, people just need to, you know, Larry's heard from us. We need people to send Larry messages saying, do it for fun, if anything, you know. If if super, you know, one of these other people are not going to take the time to contact Larry and make this happen, then the fans need to get in contact with Larry and say, "We want you to do this. We'll do it. We'll, we'll put together a fund, and we just want you to do this for the fans and present a copy, and then everybody can keep a copy of themselves and download it and or whatever." It just needs to be. No, told. but how great! Like I said, how great would it be? Because Larry Houston worked on more of the vintage mini comics than any of the other artists. I mean, that's something sometimes people overlook. Larry did more than any of the other artists. He drew more of the mini comics. I think maybe Alcala came in second. I think he came in next to Larry. Yeah. But Larry, Larry, did... Larry takes the takes the number one spot for the most books drawn because yeah. he was from eighty four all the way up to eighty seven. Yeah, so to see him return would be just as cool as having the vintage figures return because you really then are getting a true 80s style, you know, of, you know, nostalgia from looking at that figure and then finally popping open that mini comic. That was one of my most excited things beyond playing with that figure. I love seeing the yeah, new mini comic. The mini comic was, was like, the it was just like that thing you knew that you got it and you couldn't wait to tear the card open. And it was almost like, I don't know what to do first. Check out the figure or look at that mini comic. It was hard. You're right. It was just like a double dose of goodness. You, you know, it's not even like saying, you know, like icing on the cake. I mean, it's just, you want them both. I mean, it's just, you're so excited. You're like, oh, the figure I want to play. But wait a second. That's a mini comic. I might want to look, but I want to put, but you know, you found time to do both, but you just, yeah, you got, you know, just involved in that mini comic and you'd read it over and over and just then act out the stories. But I, I'd hope it could happen. So, like I said, if you're letting our voices be heard, but any other of the '80s artists you can think of that maybe yeah, there, there were there were two I was going to mention. You meant you've already mentioned one of mine, but uh, one was uh, uh, Luis Eduardo Barreta, who we mentioned. I believe it was the week before last, or episode ninety-two. If we're going back, is the guy who did the artwork for the Golden Book: Secret of the Dragon's Egg. And Meteor Monsters, Time Trouble. Uh, I mean, he, he drew such a... The sense. inner, the interior art you're speaking of. Yeah, the right? interior. But yes. I, yeah. yes. He, he did not do the cover. That was Earl Norman did that. But um, he, he did um, a, lot, a lot of the interior artwork. And he has a very specific style of how he drew Skeletor. Uh, I mean, he, sometimes if he drew He-Man, like with kind of a... A ready for battle smile like he does in the in interior first page for Secret of the Dragons. It's just like, man, He-Man looks like such a badass with that <laughs> smile on his face. Like, he's ready to just start slinging that power sword and start slicing up villains left and right. I uh, That was so striking to me as a kid because I when I was in elementary school and checked out these books, as I've said in previous episodes, 
the artwork in those books really started to, I started paying attention a lot more, noticing, wait, He-Man looks very similar in this, just like he did in that one. And um, uh, and to follow that one up is uh, Fred Carrillo. Oh, yeah, the one who's done the interior art for many of these golden books that we're speaking of, correct. I, I believe that Joe can definitely validate this one, but it looked like his art was on a lot of those other golden book puzzles, like um, the Skeletor's Dragon. Oh, the, the ones that were more uh, cartoony-like, if you're talking about, correct? What? The one, the ones that were more like, you know, just drawn, not painted, but just like a regular... Um, yeah. They Comic were a art. colored in a, or in a, a, a drawn and colored uh, battle scene of like you know Fisto and Stridor, Manny faces He Man, Skeletor kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think I know what the ones you're talking about. The one where He Man was fighting a, a dragon or something, and Skeletor was there as well. Right, it's got Buzz off in it. It's got Battle Armor He Man and Buzz off in it uh, fighting uh, Battle Armor Skeletor. Isn't that one with uh, Faker and He Man and Merman? I think I, that, I, that one. That, Cavern that was epic with Merman's uh, coming out of the water. Merman's fighting He Man. You got Skeletor blasting the stalactites, I think, with this Havoc Staff. Whiplash is fighting Man at Arms. All this going on in this battle scene. Yeah, because I think He Man got Faker's boot or something. Picked yeah, his... he's catching a kick from Faker in that one. I, I just that was so cool. And the 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 waterfall battle with Cobra Khan and He Man on this log. Mm-hmm. This waterfall and Fisto and Skeletor were on top of the waterfall fighting each other hand to hand. And you got He-Man and Skeletor fighting in front of Snake Mountain and another puzzle. You've got Merman, Buzz Off, He-Man and the Wind Raider and Skeletor and the Talon Fighter fighting over the ocean in another one. There's just too many. There's so many yeah, pieces, like I said. Aside from this puzzle, he did some absolutely stunning interior artwork for uh, the Rock Warriors, uh, Magic Mirrors, uh, the Sword of Skeletor, which uh, Gino Chile did the cover for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Pretty sure, yeah. You know yeah, what he else? Did that. Thief of Castle Grayskull as well. He also did. I mean, like I said, I mean, he just hit up tons of those golden. I mean, like I said, from the Golden Book, you know, he was, he was like the Golden Boys of Golden Books. He, he was. I mean, he was. Yeah, he was. No, I mean, no, yeah, he definitely was because the big. There's these two. Well, it's called the Giant Book of Evil Warriors, the Giant Book of Heroic Warriors. That's the one that he did the art for too. I think he, I, I'm more most certainly did the cover for, and I think he did the pieces inside. I'll have to double check, but I'm sure he did. And also, what's cool about those giant books of evil warriors and heroic warriors, they gave. It was like the front piece was a, 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 a poster piece. You might as well say it was already colored. It was one giant piece of art, but on back of it was a black and white piece that not only had the character, it had an origin or a little history or bio for them. Like it talked about for Eva Lynn, it talked about how she, you know, could become Screech. And it, you know, um, I think it had a different uh, beginning or it showed at least Faker. We got to see a different look in Faker. This is one that I do not believe made it into the compendium book. I don't think it did. But that you see Faker sitting on a table with, I think, one of his arms off. And Skeletor is actually creating Faker that way. And the unique thing about this is Faker isn't wearing the orange Skeletor harness. He's wearing an orange He-Man harness, which I thought was kind of cool. It was like a different take on it. And then it has a little bio and stuff on the back. So, I mean, for people out there, if you want to look, you go to eBay. You look for the giant book of evil warriors, giant book of heroic warriors. You're going to find some very unique pieces of not only art but origins and it's just it's a great giant book it's actually bigger than the vintage titus and megators you know those are some big boys some big figures those books are bigger so that should tell you right there how giant the book really is awesome yeah 
So, well, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to us talk about the artists. That was the thing that, you know, we always want to talk about the many great artists. But now I'm going to pass it to Tyler for our last topic. And the topic will be a, f- a fun little thing. Go ahead, Tyler. What are we doing now? Uh, we are doing uh, one of our uh, commentaries, and we're doing a personal favorite of mine, um, The Sleepers Awaken from Season 1, which is a, I mean, it's it's an episode that I, I liked as a kid. And there was a lot of episodes I didn't like because Skeletor wasn't the villain, and this was an episode, it was only, on, as always, sold on VHS, <laughs> and the only episode on the VHS tape, which was disappointing because you always think you're going to get, you know, two for one tape, two episodes on one tape, but this was just the one episode. And uh, it was an episode I, I genuinely liked, even though Skeletor was not the villain. There were no evil warriors in it. It was strictly two brand new villains introduced in this, but there was a lot of cool imagery. Uh, I mean, uh, to me as a kid, freaky villains and beautiful women, winged horses. I mean, it was a lot of awesome stuff going on in this episode that um, – I would go back, and if we went to a particular video store that carried it, I was going to rent The Sleepers Awaken. And um, as since as I've gotten older, it had become better and better, even more so as a kid. And um, because it, it's just a, it's a different story. It's a, it's a story of jealousy and and vanity, you know. In the story, you got you know these. Well, we'll get into that, but it's. If you're not as familiar with it because it's not when you know not your problem with power and all that other stuff, you know, it's you know the the, the cliches in the He-Man community of episodes. This is a very good episode. Like, yeah, t- tell fans how to do it, what we're gonna do, so they could just join us uh, with the episode, or at least they're gonna hear us. You no, know, um, you know, you can always, I guess if. I don't know if you can, I guess you can't pause us if you're watching us live and come back to what to do with like direct TV and all that stuff. But what we're going to do is I'm just going to, I'm playing it on, uh, playing the DVD uh, from uh, uh, volume two of season one. That's what I'm using. I'm, I, it doesn't really matter, but we're going to start from the very beginning before the formation logo clicks. So I'm going to count down from three, two, one. And they can find it on YouTube if they need to. Yes. Let me, uh, I forgot because I, we I, I had this kind of pause at the moment. I got to bring it back up here, so forgive me, fans here. But um, uh, as this is loading up, to, to let everyone know the first time you saw this episode. Well, I know you always have your experience on the the tapes. Mine was just on TV. I of course cannot remember the day, how old I was, but obviously I have memories of this episode. Memories of a scary character, as they're going to see. This particular person did freak me out. The whole entire interior of this castle, the creatures you're going to see within it. And you're right, it doesn't have Skeletor, it doesn't have any of the other evil warriors, but that doesn't make it any less of a great episode. It's a fantastic episode. And, and that's, that's what's great about when you can get, you know, and, you know enchanted and, and just sucked into these things is you don't even think about Skeletor because you're so concerned about this other threat that this is the guy that's freaking you out. And that's what I liked. You don't have to have Skeletor in every episode. You don't have to have Beastman, Merman, and the usuals. I liked when you'd see completely new characters because it really caught your attention. Like, I don't know who these two not, are. Not, well, see, to me as a kid, though, for the most part, I, I you know, there were like there were lots, so many she episodes that Hordak or any of the Horde was not in. I'm like, man, I don't care about it. Like, Stone and the Sword as a kid, I thought it sucked as a kid. As for a, me, though, I, I mean... Amazing episode. Yeah. But that, to me, you know... And there were several episodes as a kid that didn't have Skeletor. I'm like, eh. 
Well, for but me, I just got I got excited when I would see new things, and when this one, you know, popped up, and I seen these characters. This was definitely a, a an episode that you could always remember. It always freaked you out. And well, we'll just fire it up. You tell them yeah. when to hit play um, and how to do it. And... So if you're watching YouTube DVD or iTunes, whatever it is, I'm gonna count down from three, two, one, action. <laughs> and there's a logo yipping. But um, and what's what's cool about this episode too is that you can almost feel like where they're at, and they don't exactly say what location of Eternity, but it's almost as if like it's a very great distance away from like the Royal Palace, Grayskull, because we're talking about an ancient castle of, of these two two people who used to, you know, have quite a load of authority on Eternity, at least power wise, and they're in a castle that's so it seems to be. Who knows how far away on Eternia, you know, because they're, you know, it's, it's almost like Tila and Adam decide to venture out for a, you know, a challenge of, wrang, you know, wrangling wild horses. But as, as Adam seems to find out, they're winging horses. But it's pretty <laughs> cool to think that, you know, you have this this couple, this, you know, king and queen or, or not king, Lord, Lord Tyrion and Lord Lady, uh, Lady Valtera running the show on Eternia 200 years ago before what we come to see in this episode ever took place. So, You know what I like, though, and as fans are going to find out when they watch the episode, is you always had characters pronouncing names different. Like you said, Tyrion, and then she, Lady Valtera, always calls him Tyran. She yeah. really focused that. And for whatever reason, me hearing her say the name over and over, I wanted to believe that's the way. She calls him Tyrion by, she says, Tyrion... Tyrann, I mean, yeah, because she did, yeah, one time she did, she's like, you know, she's a Tyrann, but then she'd really focus on Tyrann. It seemed like you heard that the most, but okay, as you've seen here, I mean, of course, Tila's going to give us a little tale about yeah. these two well, characters. About our, our, our villains here, and it's, it's a cool looking dragon castle, and I, I know, like Tyrann. the images of these characters, too. I was wondering, who's that? Who's that? Like, some of them, I was like, is that supposed to be a hidden character? Like, all those little statues and stuff? Did you ever get that when you were looking? I always... I, everything. I mean, I was, I like, the, the portrait of the two of them, and their, their caskets, or their beds, is, or coffins, whatever you want to call them, that they, that they sleep in. We're like, wow, those are... And, of course, little little Sago here, which I, I, I could never forget. Is this an evil little pet, or is he friendly? You just, you never, it's almost for like, if they're evil, he's evil. If, 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 you know, they're good, he's good almost, but it's... Uh, Do you feel like there was probably maybe, you know, obviously we didn't get more. I don't know if there was ever thing, supposed to be anything to that, but when they showed uh, little Sago, they showed him, you see he's like a little dragon, and you see that their castle that is erected around looks like a giant version of him. It looks like a dragon. So you wondered, like, you know, was there some previous thing before, some giant dragon they knew of, and they've watched over this little guy that became their pet? It was just strange. I always thought that there was a connection between him and the castle, especially the outer exterior, if you ever looked at it. And I, I felt bad when, when when she falls asleep, and Sago's still alive, and he looks around, not alive, he's still awake, and he, he seems so scared, and Tyrion's just like, go ahead and sleep. And it's George DeCenzo, George DeCenzo, I think it's X, DeCenzo, the voice of Hordak, just doing the voice of no. Tyrion. Uh, <laughs> man, it was, he's just a very commanding voice in this role as Lord Tyrion, you know, go on and sleep. And then he, you know, the casket closes. And and the, these winged horses I thought were very striking as a kid. They just looked cool. I mean, it's, it's on the back of the VHS tape of Adam on one of them. And they just, 
I remember thinking of uh, Clash of the Titans. I was thinking of the well, Pegasus. Yeah, I, I think Clash of the Titans around, you know, not too long after I saw this episode. So it was uh, it was a big connection of, like, of my fascination with Pegasus. Yeah, because uh, I seen it. I was like, there's those Pegasuses. It's Pegasuses. And I was always thinking of Clash of the Titans when I seen those things. So it's kind of, like you said, cool seeing these guys. But, okay, now here we go. Now it's been 200 years. So it's time for... Lord uh, Lady Valtira to awaken, and of course, as you've seen, two hundred years, yeah, and the the moon like apparently awakens both. Or Tyrion's been awake for a while because as we, but it was the sound supposedly the sounds of those Pegasus horses that awoke yeah. her. Yeah, which yeah, I guess because she uh she always wanted one or at least to touch one, but never could probably because of well, I mean you know her evil ways here. It's an evil yeah. bitch. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I always looked at her there. I was like, man, she looks evil. But in that picture, they look so happy. And and those kept... eyebrows, the way her eyebrows are drawn, they come up and go down at an angle to really enhance her, her malice. And uh, She looks really wicked. Yeah. so hot as a kid, too. I, I just had such a, it's like, I mean, like so many women in the He-Man, she were cartoons. Like, boy, there's a lot of hot women in these cartoons. Yeah, there goes Adam. He was choking that poor Pegasus horse. So now he's getting, <clears throat> he's getting his. He's getting flown up there. You know, I'm just going to probably get dropped off. I, I, I like this thing. It's like a, a John Irwin selling the, the fear in Adam's voice, you know, during the sequence. He just, it was it was kind of an exciting thing to watch as a kid. I mean, not that I was like overjoyed of bouncing around, but it was just an exciting moment to watch in this episode. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, when you're a kid at times, you don't know when you're like, what am I supposed to get out of it? Is this Adam acting scared or is it he was actually scared because yes we know he's scared yeah yeah because you know okay we know he can become he-man then he ain't scared of nothing but i you know it's like you never knew how you were supposed to take it like i don't know what he's supposed to be and it'll say go he always looks so frightened anytime like something like that's happening what she's doing is wrong you know yeah and he knows it but freaked me out as a kid like her arms up and her eyes like i just thought it was kind of he cries he sheds a little tear i just it just always felt bad for him as a kid. But then he looks at, you know, he looks evil at times, and you're just never quite sure, you know, what is Sego's deal here? You know, are you good or evil? Because I want you to be good. I want, I want a little Sego myself. But um... <laughs> and, and, well, at least Adam <clears throat> survived that fall going into that nice giant bush there. So he was a yes. beautiful, striking woman in a lacy red dress and purple slippers comes out to greet him like, oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Look, there you go. Look at, look at the look he's giving Adam, you know. It's... Yeah, it's it's a strange look. But and this look, look right here. Watch. Yeah, that's an Yeah. Here it is. There it is. That, that little, you know, he gives him an extra evil look. Like, what are you doing? Are you, are you good? You know. Yeah, he did. He did have an extra evil look. And then, as we're going to see, she puts Adam under her spell. When she did this, I thought, okay, uh, now she, she did something with his mind. You know, that now he's her slave because, you know, she wants to have him as a slave. And there you see Lord Tyran, Tyran, however you want to say his name. He's, you know, he obviously gets jealous and upset. And I was like, well, she just said she wanted to make him a slave. She never said, I want to take him as but, the main that, That's why I said well, this episode is about vanity. I mean, clearly he is. He's just jealous. He wants it all to be him yeah, and her. That's it. Even approaching this this very muscular young man. You know, you almost feel like probably when they were together years ago, she's probably not, you know, addressing other men and certainly not in front of him. But here he is out trying to rebuild the king and sees the first thing she's doing is she's getting the attention of a younger man. Right. 
which sends him into this rage with his spider robot here to, to capture Yeah, Sega. I think always, I always try to wonder, what's God's name? I mean, is this supposed to be a robot? It's making robotic sounds, but I, I, I thought of... I, I have to give James Etock credit for that one, too. He's not name-checking the episode, but he is given, a, I think, a spider drone or something, something oh. to that like, uh, liking. It just and, fell out of place. For, for some reason, it felt out of place because I felt I, everything... I always been... thought it looked cool. I mean, no, it, it did, like, but I felt like everything else is so organic, it felt strange, but it was still creepy. But, and again, as you've seen just a couple seconds ago, Adam wasn't under, like, mind control to where he'd be a zombie. She just froze him in place and basically convinces, hey, you let me go and I'll help you out. And, you know, he takes off and, of course, well... I love he... this when he was going to save a damsel in distress. And, you know... I like that, too. I had another thing... That drove me nuts as a kid, even though I love this episode. And it was Sago. It was, I was like, okay, he's a dragon. Why is he never flying? Why is it like he, you know, you're going to see a scene coming up eventually to where He-Man saves the day with him too. But I was like, but couldn't you just fly away? Or is he supposed to be a baby? Because Sago, I mean, it obviously looks, looks to be like a baby dragon. And probably being a baby dragon probably has not flexed his wings enough to do a whole lot because he never flies in this episode at all like you yeah. don't, not once do you ever see him fly yeah, <coughs> you, could, trying, you know yeah, you because i never say that maybe at the end it looks yes like... and i know what you're talking about right here where he's flying but i almost feel like out of fear and, and he's not thinking he's just scared which is probably why he's you know probably worried about falling yeah, it, it just, it did. It always got me for whatever reason. I mean, at the end, he does one little part where you could say, I don't know, he could jump, but it almost looked like he flew to Lady Valtira at the end, but that could be taken. He leaps many... to her, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so a leap slash fly. And there, the scene where um, um, Lord Turan, where they just showed him after sucking the tree's energy, he looked young there, slightly younger, and I didn't know if it was supposed to be. I think it's be. an animation error, because you'll see him again right here. And then he work. looks old. Oh, and then He-Man falls in the same bush Adam did, so thank God for that bush, because it's the savior of Adam and He-Man. Just thank God it's there. Yeah. <laughs> but I you're mean, right, I guess it's an animation. It's Sago's transition of like affection for He-Man. Like he's, like a, the, the excitement right there for saving him. And I mean, He-Man is such an alpha male in this episode, and he's not even trying to be. He's just is, and and uh, and we got to touch on Tyrion's like, like, uh, visual look. I mean, look. I mean, this close up with his eyes decrepit, like his lip, and some of these scenes, you can see it's, it's like deteriorating away. Like you can see it's still zombie like to me. That's why I mean, when I was a kid, seeing yeah, it, it was uh, scary. I remember as a kid when I looked at that guy. Every time I seen him, he was frightening because he looked yeah. decrepit and dead like. And yeah, you got you got to. No positive vibes or like, you know, if, how some people would say, oh, all these episodes are all corny and cheery and, and you know, just childlike. You know, people, they're, they're too lazy to actually say, look, you know, we didn't keep this property alive just for because for, we were bored. Because, no, there's so, so many kick-ass episodes in, in this in, in this series. A lot of great moments, great characters, great stories and dialogue. And, I mean, we're watching one of the best. I mean, if someone said this was their favorite episode, dude, I would say I could see why, because it is a fantastic episode. And the music, the certain types, like that's playing right now as you're watching this, it's just great. I mean, that's what's great directing about these episodes, is playing the right moments, that or right music that Shuki Levy um, created. It enhances the episodes. And right here, this, this close-up of him, and he closes his arms together, and the lightning crashes. And, I mean, it's just... This is just like watching a movie. This is kind of the yeah. moment you see in a movie. 
Yeah, and you see, now right there, looking at the castle, even though it's destroyed, you see what I meant, like, with the similarities between that castle's structure? Oh, I put it out earlier. Okay, no, I didn't know. I never heard you, uh, I didn't know you acknowledged. Dog, Joe is trying to sit there and tell me what I already said. No, no, I remember I said that, but I, I didn't think you acknowledged when I mentioned it. I didn't think you Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I apologize for that. Yes, it is clearly, it's almost like maybe the dragon is like a family crest symbol or something like that. Hey, look, like, it's she flying up in the sky, too. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Tila. No. Oh, <laughs> I got a million of them. They're not worth anything, but I got a million of them. But no, also, you've seen that, yeah, Lady of Altera, she realize that hey maybe it is better to have friends than slaves you know she's starting to realize that maybe what they've been doing is wrong i i always thought this moment was creepy with this music when tia's walking around there by herself all the spider was in the music you know it just it really and then of course she's walking around and sees the uh, the coffins and then of course you see lord Tyrann and silhouetted you know in one of the doorways um how about in a damn perfect world Super 7 released a two-pack of them with their coffins. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, I, they, these, they, these are characters, too, that everybody's more focused on some background character in the She-Ra mini, uh, mini comic. Or yeah, give these guys figures. Dude, Lord Tyrion and, and Lady uh, and Lady Valtteri, they in Sago, they need figures, damn it. Yep, and multiple heads. You can display them as the young, yeah, the old, the wicked. With his decrepit zombie head and his human oh. head, Lady Valtteri with the more friendlier face and a more evil look on her face you're right this i mean it's a whole episode it's all focusing on them it's memorable like you said we get background characters and nonsense into figures half the time but then these two it's all about them it's a prominent memorable role if any two deserve figures it is these two characters like you said in a little sago that would be just perfect oh and i i this scene freaked me out as a kid too was this you know snake or snake dragon so to speak coming out and attacking and it was uh, which calmed me down when He Man decides he gets tickled by the snake snake's grip. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> nothing bothers He Man at all. And yeah, because you're right, because you get scared when he gets gripped up by that thing. Eventually, you're thinking, oh god. But then when he makes light of it, you're right. When he's laughing about it, it tickling just, him, it makes you feel like okay, it's all right, you know. Because here we go, and the He Man thing kicks in. He Man, and, and you don't feel like there's a threat. You're right. When it gets him and he giggles and talks about feeling like it's tickling, yeah, you feel like, okay, I, there's no threat. Yeah, you just feel like, and the poor Sega is just scared out of his mind watching this because he hadn't seen anybody just beat the hell out of this, you know, or any creature that size. And and uh, just great animation use in this episode. I mean, great dialogue. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of great character interaction in this episode. Like, it, you know, Tied him he, up there, got him all in bed. Lady Valtteri, he even pretty much shows no like no romantic interest in her. She clearly almost sounds like she likes having him around, but she's also talking about we got to find you know Tyrion. So it's not like she's being, uh, uh, you know, she's not cheating on him or anything. It has no desire to do so. This is all a man's jealousy over his appearance, which yep. it's a, it's it's great. It's fantastic character development in this. Yep, and a little foreshadowing here, as we'll see, because if she's to take down this giant big roof that's in that spot, that's the only thing that's holding that structure together. So, you know, you always get that vibe. You know that there's foreshadowing of, okay, I think probably something's going to happen. And then we get a very Lord have mercy moment with Tila right up there on that spiderweb. Ooh, Lordy. I think, look, she, yes, she was looking pretty nice stuck on that web. 
Uh, of course, I, I, I favor Lady Valtteri so much. I wanted He-Man to get with her in this story. I was like, I leave Tila behind. As like, take take Lady Valtteri and Sega and go. But I, I love this this face off here where he comes out and just shows that I, I, you know, I've done all this. I'm now ugly, and now you prefer this other guy. You know, it's yeah. When she finds out that him is just like the horror, like oh my god, you know. Wait, yeah. I don't want like people saying you can't tell because you're wearing the same clothes. You're missing the point. It's about the storytelling that this man is uh, ugly. It's not the man that she has known, you know, for the majority of her life. You know, it's it's the way filmation told, and I was because this moment here with the spider is on the VHS box of, of the shooting the spider web at He Man right here. Hey, you know, oh, yep. that was so cool. Like, but oh, you know what's like, good? What I liked was that he explained the stuff because I really did remember being so confused as a kid when I seen him and he looks so old. And of course, you know, she comes out and she's you know young but evil looking. But I thought. Jesus, why does he look so decrepit? I figured he would have been kind of like young too. I thought that since they needed that time to rest, you know, after 200 years, he'd look good. But then he explains that obviously what he was doing was keeping the, the castle, what, beautiful or, or trying to keep it for her. So he, by using, he's using his power, which drains his youth. Yeah. So it's making him look so old. He's doing everything for her, but it's making him look old. Like, I kept thinking every time you would suck the energy from a tree or life, he would look younger. So at least him explaining it helped because I remember just being a little lost on what was going well, on. Like you, like you look at these, the trees grew while they were asleep. So he's doing all. It makes you kind of, kind of makes you wonder how long he's been awake. On yeah, because they never said that, did they? Did they, ever, they never said how long he was awake, did they? Yeah. Oh, and there was the ugliest power sword drawing I thought in the show was when He-Man used it to cut Tila off of that web. It was a very horribly drawn power sword. I made reference to it a while ago, but it happens. I don't know if you caught that. It was a very weird... I didn't catch that one. Most of the time I catch it because that bothered me so much as a kid if the power sword was drawn off, off model at all. It was really bad. I mean... This, this yeah. drives me nuts, too. I felt always felt so bad for Sego, and I... I love this the, the music, the He-Man to the rescue music. Me too, but that poor little sucker, I mean, look at him. It's like, okay, I figured he was going to come out and, yeah, you're dead. I mean, had his body is crushed under a gigantic rock, but Sago, I give it to him. That little sucker must have one powerful body. He was just trapped, but, um, yeah, nothing could crush those wings of that back. Any other thing that would be, uh, I think, just uh, toast. I mean, this really. Character moment for He-Man here. I have one last rescue I want to make and cut that the dress. I, that I love that makes He-Man such a kick-ass hero. Man. I remember liking that, too. When I was a kid, I thought, he's saving the bad thing. He's saving the bad thing, because I didn't know what to call it. But when he did go in there and go get it, I thought it was one of the coolest parts in this entire episode, was just him saving. Dilly! Big... You know, yeah. I, I absolutely love that moment. Gosh, look how big the castle is. Yes. And it yeah. just crumbles. Crumbles all down now. There went the whole castle that was trying to be beautified and everything. But maybe it's they finally seen the the error of their ways, if you will, of what they've been doing. And so, yeah, as you'll see in a couple minutes when you see them finally look back to normal. I, I like that part. I really like that part, that they just gave up their evil ways. Like almost kind of symbolically saying, you do evil things, it makes you look, you know, you know evil on the outside well, yeah, and inside. Yeah, if, you know? Even if you're like a, a, a handsome or beautiful woman. Or, excuse me, a handsome man or beautiful woman, you do evil stuff, you know, you clearly, you know, 
people look at you as a completely different. Like your looks yeah. mean nothing. And it's almost, it's like with this, you, they clearly are doing evil things. They are going to look ugly, you know? Yeah, it's, now doing good, it shows the beauty of good, if you will. Maybe there's some symbolism of that, possibly. Yeah. It's, and uh, she looks gorgeous. She's a gorgeous, you know, looking, you know, woman for, you know, the yeah, cartoon. You know, yeah, look even hotter, you know, because she, now she's, she's turned a new leaf. And, uh, yeah. and there's that crazy little smile from Adam yeah. that he gave. <laughs> a little different, a little different smile from him. And uh, now she finally gets to touch one of the Pegasus horses that she's always wanted to do. Or touch, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, approach <laughs> it me. Like. It's such a great, um, it's a great kind of Clo closing this chapter on, on these characters that we'll never see again, unfortunately. But I guess it wouldn't mean much because they are officially good. Why would we want to see them turn bad again? Yeah, and there was a slight-looking fly jump from Sago. So, yeah. and you could say he did a slight one, maybe. Maybe. But, uh, I mean, it's... Gosh, it's, this is such a damn good episode. I, I love this episode with all my heart. It, it is such a fantastic episode was I, this ever in the top 10 of the uh oh no oh, let, let me tell you, uh, i mean that was that was the the shoddiest de you you to this day have never never seen the, that dvd have you no all right i'm gonna I'm, hang on a second i'm gonna read off that list to you real quick. go right ahead because i again i bought it but i just bought it because well obviously i was buying everything masters related but i never popped in the dvd to see it and see what the choices were. Oh, and b by the way, before you do that, just letting you know that this bumper used to, I mean, not bumper, the ending moral and everything about, you know, like trying to get a good sleep and sleep at the same time. And eating and too much before bedtime too. Which exactly. Is, say, that is not something to forget. Orko knows what he's talking about. Right. But Orko floating, laying down, always drove me bonkers. So I was like, okay, then why the hell do you have a bed? Why aren't you laying because on the bed? Because a bed feels good to lay in. So he's laying in the air. It's like, then you don't need a bed. That used to kill me. So, well, that's that to the end. But tell me, what's on the top 10? What do they have for the top okay. 10? This, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, was the first DVD released of He-Man and the Master of the Universe. And this was voted by fans on He-Man.org years ago. And it just drove me nuts when I saw the official release for that. I was so pissed off. Not that there were, so, there were some good ones on here. But for season one, the top five episodes, there were ten episodes total, five for each season. Evil Seed, Quest for He-Man, Prince Adam No More, Diamond Ready to Prince, Tealess Quest. Pretty much that whole disc is great, mm -hmm. except for Quest for He-Man, which is Plundor. And I, I could not figure out why the hell did people vote for that episode. I was so angry about that, that <laughs> instead of Dragon's Gift, Sleepers Awaken, House of Shakoti Part 1 or 2, uh, we're, we're, you know, Return of, of course, no one's going to say Return of Orko's Uncle because I feel like I'm the only person who likes that episode. <laughs> okay. But it just felt like, no, why is Plundor featured in the top ten episodes? Then the season two is Into the Abyss, which, I'm sorry, is not a good episode. It's only good for that one moment where you see the power of Grayskull coming up through, through the Abyss. Tila's Triumph, eh. The Save Skeletor, great episode. Problem with Power, heavily overrated. Origin of the Sorceress. I'm sorry. I feel like that's an overrated. Maybe it's just me. I feel like the origin of the sorcerers is an overrated episode. It does reference the horde. Stridor, my favorite, you know, Steed is featured in it, but the story itself, I just felt like was, you know, you know, eh. maybe it's just me. You know, yeah. I, I just felt like this could have been so much, a much better top ten release of the He-Man series. I just felt like this was poor, so poorly represented. I thought. 
Well, again, I mean, all different tastes. Everybody's got something they like. Yeah. They've got um, something we hate. Some people with that one. But I, I was so bothered. By, I was so desperate to have Eman on DVD. I didn't care. But I was just so yeah. bothered that Dragon's Gift was not on here. Or episodes like Disappearing Dragons, The Matrela Stratos, Ice Age Comets, Shadow of Skeletor, Sleepers Awake, and House Shakoti. I mean, so many great episodes. I just feel like, why did people vote for those? It was almost as if, like, you know, the cliche ones, like, people, I don't know. I, yeah. do, do you agree with, I mean, how much of that list do you agree with that I read off? Well, I definitely, the Save Skeletor, I definitely I think that should be up there. I love that one. I love Evil Seed because not only the character, but I love seeing in the joining of all the powers of them on top of Castle Grayskull, good and evil together. So that was memorable. Uh, problem with power, I could understand the moment and the impact that of what people are obviously thinking about so i could i could see why they choose that but i mean no there's some on there that maybe aren't the greatest choices but there's probably out of the 10 maybe four four i don't know maybe five maybe half of that list i could agree with the other well, half but to, to me like a good moment i mean doesn't justify making it a great episode like problem power does have a great moment in it but i'm other than that the, the rest of the episode sucks well i know but you know i think it's just things that stick in your head you know as a kid you it's always still, remembered i just felt like you know there were so many other great episodes from season two like i was surprised like cat and spider was not voted in the top 10 as much as everybody praises you know the appearance of katrina in that episode yeah i just think it's moments sometimes moments can shock you so much as a kid but if it's you, in you your head someone most of these episodes are like Tila's Quest. It's a, it's a great episode from beginning to end. Diamond Ray, Evil Seed, Prince Adam No More. They're all great episodes from beginning to end. Uh, to Save Skeletor is a great episode from beginning. There aren't moments. There are moments you like. But overall, they are remembered for being a great episode. Oh, well, no, I can understand. But like I said, I think sometimes when people do remember things, like if there's something that's so memorable in their head, even if they might not remember everything that was going on, and you ask them, hey, what did you think? Oh, man, I loved it. Oh, that was when, you know, He-Man maybe gave up his power sword, and they needed, he, he had to get it back to become He-Man again, and he thought he killed somebody, and I, I never seen him say, you know, how he turned back into Prince Adam. When things get just so ingrained in your head, I mean, it can happen. I mean, definitely, I remember when I was a kid, I was like, oh, Jesus. You know, He-Man might have killed somebody. Then it was a trick. Then he gave up the power sword, and he said, let the power return. It's like, that's how he turns into Prince Adam. That's how he does it. And I remember it shocked the living crap out of me when I was a young student. looks awesome. Look, I mean, Robert Land did a fantastic job with, with setting that up. I just felt like, and I like the inclusion of General Tatarant in the episode and bringing, bringing the goblins back into it as a throwback to uh, the arena. But it... I don't. It just felt like it was not an episode that, and you see, like the the moment where He Man really kind of comes forth and admits in, in a roundabout way his affection for Jill. It's I, I don't know. I just felt like there, there's there's some things missing from it that make it. Well, I mean, like you said, I, I can understand if there's something that, you, like you said, it needed more. But almost every moment you said there, again, it just sometimes it just pops into people's heads. The different characters, the things. A lot of the dialogue was not as you know great as it could have been. Um, uh, that's a story for. I another. enjoyed it though. I did. I enjoyed it. But well, that's our. All right. Maybe I'm being too hard on that. Uh, you know, I, I'll you know admit this like openly. You know, it's it's maybe I'm being. I mean, it's certainly not Star Child. It's not um, you know uh, trying to think of you know another particularly bad. I mean, just like horrible, horrible episode. But I, DHO. I don't know. BHO, which in itself, I mean, you know, it's more about like the Kraken, you know, 
kills the episode because you're you know you're expecting this great leviathan and it's a it's a sea monster with a chicken face you know it's it's just like you know, no this does not work i know there's you know yeah, it was, there's and stuff like that too that it's like you can have a great movie but if the ending does not wrap it up good then it's like it kills the entire movie yeah and if you have something like that in an episode great premise but you don't wrap it up and like oh gosh you ruined it there you go well well, that was our episode, our commentary for Sleepers Awaken. So those are all our topics. But before we get off here, Tyler, is there anything you want to say to the fans? Any recommendations? Any projects? What's going on? Um, uh, yes, uh, to uh, project-wise, the uh, the pre-order for the Leech mini-comic is today's the last day. So when this airs, which is, well, right now, I assume you probably have till you know, maybe 10 o'clock, or no, excuse me, 12 o'clock midnight, possibly. Carson really didn't give a specific date, but he's only take this is like the last day for pre orders. Not to say you still can't get the mini comic, but he's trying to get a set order so he can start printing and getting them mailed out to everybody ASAP. So um, if you don't order today, you can still get the mini comic. It just won't come with the little profile card. I think he's possibly going to include a little sketchbook of some, uh, of some uh, drawings as well, I think. Okay. Um, but you can still order it, but um, today's the last day for pre-orders for that. And um, a recommendation is uh, check, check out the Golden Book Puzzles. If you are, <laughs> yeah. if you only have maybe one or two of those, there's several others out there that you may not own that you know, are available on eBay. Do a Google search for He-Man Puzzles. And, and you get them find, at a very good price sometimes, very good prices. Yeah. Now, I mean, sometimes you may pay like 20 bucks, but the box is in great shape. All the pieces are there. And for the most part, it's quite worth it paying that for, for a nice, beautiful puzzle with an awesome, you know, battle scene of He-Man and a couple of heroes fighting a couple of villains. So I framed but, many of mine. I framed I, many I, of them. I a while back. Of course, I, I do not now because my, my place does not allow the room. But at one point, I did try to frame most of those puzzles. And along with the golden books and the mini comics and the comic books and the, uh, the posters from the from the magazine, so I I framed a lot of stuff at one point. Can't do you it. You can now. frame. You can almost frame everything. Masters related. It's Pretty time. much. If you can, you can uh, you can essentially frame your carded figures with the Zola War protective cases. I mean, it's it's almost getting to where yeah, you pretty much can frame everything. You, know, you can fr- yeah, you can frame it all. So. All right. Well, thanks for that recommendation because definitely people need to get out there and get these puzzles. They're well, well worth it. So, absolutely. Well, well, let me just say what I always say <clears throat> after I get choked up here. Go to fansofpower.com. Go to popculturenetwork.com. Go to hemanworld.com. And on Facebook, go to Masters of the Universe He-Man and Shira Ultimate Fan Group. All great places, all great people. So until next time, have a powerful day. The only way out of here is that valley that leads to the east? But I wouldn't make, waste that on a broke dig dog. Uh, oh, I'm going to hate it. I don't know. Dang it, you're going to make me sound stupid. You stumped me. I'm back to being stumped, Joe. Oh! <laughs> okay, there you go, Predator. Okay, I tried. I'm to say, Billy, Sonny Landon, says that line in Predator. Yeah. There goes Joe. I've just failed. I feel bad. I've all times to do it too. So, all right, guys. Well, we will see Thanks you next week. Everybody, appreciate everybody listening to this. Take care. Yeah.